0: Hello, Evergreen and online friends, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'd like to ask, have you ever been stung by a bee or felt the sting of rejection? It is painful. There's a sting in me that turned into a wound of rejection. It's hurt, it's affected my way of thinking and the way I've lived for a long time. And today, since we are continuing our series, Real, Who Do You Think You Are? Why don't you ask that um, to the person in the room with you? Who do you think you are? And if no one's in the room, ask yourself, who do you think you are? I thought I'd share a little bit of my story today. So if you're new and we haven't met, my name's Ilsean, and I am totally loved and accepted by God. Though rejection for me started in my mother's room. You see, I was birthed as a result of a failed abortion. But God knew I needed a little stubborn, even in utero. Because I refused to let go. I held on to my mother's uterus and I was like, no, I'm holding on for dear life, mama. The truth is that before the creation of the world, God chose me. Rejected by men or by my scared teenage parents, but loved and accepted by God. In that same womb that tried to reject me, their God knit me together. So today, this is what I need you to know. No matter your shirt fallings, your sins, your mistakes, your circumstances, achievements, race, political views, gender, you are totally loved, and accepted by God. Since our focus is on identity, let's look at John 4, verses 4 through 15. I'm going to pray real quick. Father, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Amen. Let's read. Um, it says, Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Zichar." near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So Jesus was alone with the woman. I guess Jesus didn't know about the Billy Graham rule. Yikes. But anyways, let's get back to the reading. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, And who it is that ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, and make a few observations from what we just read. So what do we know about this woman according to the text? She's a Samaritan. She is getting water at noon, which was believed to be the hottest part of the day. She is doing something that is communal by herself instead of doing it with the women of the village. And then she is going about a common task. So we know that the setting was at Jacob's well and there was Jesus. It was there that Jesus meets her and makes an ask, will you give me a drink? And we see that this ask surprises her. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? She makes an I am statement an identity marker of how she sees herself. You are this, I am that. Why is this surprising for her? Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. The author states it. See, geographically, Jesus had to go through Samaria because he needed to get to Galilee. And the best way was to go through Samaria. Though it is believed that at At that time, some Jews had so much hatred towards Samaritans that they would travel east side of the Jordan, which was a huge roundabout, to avoid going through Samaria. Jews were not asking Samaritans for favors. They refused the smallest kindness from them. One could say Samaritans were not accepted by Jews. Yet, Jesus, being a Jew, ask this woman for a drink of water. I love Jesus. Often Jesus shows up in our daily tasks, working from home or going into the office, caring for our children, online schooling, doing laundry, running, whatever it is. And he makes an ask, which challenges our perceptions, our traditions, our way of thinking, and our way of seeing ourselves And even the way we see others, will you allow Jesus to engage you in those moments? See, Jesus knows the real you. Despite of who you think you are, Jesus knows the real you. And we see this in verse 16. Jesus makes a revelation once again in his ass that gives us insight about this woman's story, a clue into what's going on in her life. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Makes me wonder, what must have she felt? What was her guilt, regret, shame, pain, the all too familiar sting of rejection? However, regardless of what she is feeling, she responds to Jesus. Verse 17a says that the woman replied, I don't have a husband. And Jesus continues going deeper, providing more insight. Verse 17b, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you weren't even married to the men you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus keeps it real. That's just who he is. But I know this. What Jesus will reveal is because he wants to heal. He's not just exposing this painful part of her identity to shame her or cause her pain. See, there are parts of who we are that we much rather forget or ignore or hide. But when Jesus shows up and we choose to engage him, he makes the uncomfortable ask. The revealing ask, the exposing ask, the ask that shows us the part of our identity that is needed of his salvation, his healing, restoration, and his wholeness. We don't know why this woman had been married five times. Was it that divorce was common and men could give you a letter of divorce for whatever reason? Was it because her husband or husbands had passed away? Was it because she didn't know how to cook? Was it because she couldn't have any children? Was it because of infidelity? Was it because time and time again she'd been rejected by men? Was it her own doing? The text doesn't say. But I tell you this. Often, circumstances, experiences, rejection, mistakes, and sin can leave us seeing ourselves as someone who God did not create us to be. And how we see ourselves will influence how we think and how we live. See, as I shared earlier, I grew up with a wound of rejection. Not only because my parents, but also because of failed relationships. I lived out of an identity that said I was not loved and not accepted, no matter how hard I tried. And time and time again, my life experiences would further deepen this wound. In my teenage years, I would experience abuse that would leave me numb and questioning how a loving God would allow such evil. This led me down a destructive path that left me shackled, the chains I'd formed with my own disobedience kept me bound. See, my identity was lost and I'd, I'd go from relationship to relationship searching for love and desiring acceptance in all the wrong places. Perhaps that is why I can relate so much with this woman's story. How I saw myself influenced, how I thought, And lived so are you seeing yourself in Christ if you have no idea what that means I want to invite you to lean into this next part see I love that this woman didn't shut down or withdraw from Jesus because she continued she continued the conversation though I think she did try to change the subject you must be a prophet so tell me um about worship And Jesus, in a way that only he can, says to her, you know very little about the one you worship. Then the woman says something that shows the hope that is hidden in her heart, but also sets her up for life-changing truth. In verse 25, she says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And as in a perfect cue, Jesus makes a revelation about his identity. He announces, I am the Messiah. See, we are not told what happens in her heart or her thoughts, but we see that she leaves her water jug and runs back to the village saying, come and see this man. The truth is we cannot establish our identity apart from Christ. As Lydia said last week, only God's truth sets us free. It is in Christ that our identity is revealed, redeemed, and made whole. It is in our true identity in Christ that sets us free. See, you are a child of God, which means you are totally loved and accepted by God. Your mistakes, Past, sin, your accomplishments, circumstances, degrees are not what define you. Who Jesus says you are defines you. You see, his word says that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 8:38 through 39. And you've probably heard this a million times, but I will say it once more so you can hear it a million and one. There is nothing you can do that can make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do that can make God love you less. He loves you. He accepts you. See, for this woman, being a Samaritan, being a woman, being a social outcast, being or not being good at relationships is how she saw herself outside of Jesus. The little insight we have to her way of living shows us that perhaps she was seeing herself through failed relationships. But in Christ, she becomes the greatest messenger of salvation and hope. In verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. In other words, Jesus showed me me through him. He redeemed her identity and made her whole. This woman's identity becomes accepted, chosen, an instrument to speak of the Savior, Jesus. And this is what Jesus, the Savior of the world, did for you and for me. Isaiah 53.3, it says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And the chapter goes on to say in verse five, He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. It was our sins he carried on the cross. Jesus was despised and rejected so you could be loved and accepted. Jesus was beaten so that you could be made whole. Jesus was whipped so that you could be healed. Because of Jesus, you were totally loved and accepted by God. And perhaps you're listening or watching today and you've not engaged Jesus. Maybe you've not said yes to this gift. Jesus says to this woman, if only you knew the gift of God, this gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins then I want to invite you today to say yes to Jesus. You see, God created you. He loves you. We all, God created you. We all have sinned. Every single one of us, we've fallen short. And that is why God provided Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. But Jesus not only died on the cross, but he rose to life again so that if we believed, we would have eternal life. And here at Evergreen, We want to help you find and follow Jesus here, near, and far. So I want to invite you to go to our Evergreen app. The link will come up and and let us know how can we help you. And my second invite is for those of us that maybe have been thinking and living from a place of rejection instead of love and acceptance. Would you join me in prayer as we ask his Holy Spirit, to lead us to Jesus as he shows us the real us. Father, through your Holy Spirit, would you help us live from an identity of love and acceptance? Would you search our hearts and reveal the parts of us that need your wholeness and your healing? Father, help us to see ourselves as your children, totally loved and accepted thinking and living out of this reality. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We love you, Evergreen.